At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 47 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's cracking? Hey, listen, I want to take a moment right off the very top to check in with you and share some thoughts. I want to make sure that you know that I'm not just going through the motions here, that I just show up with an episode and then another inspiring guest and then hit you with a few thoughts about the conversation. Of course I will do that, and there is value in that, but I want to check in and I want to make sure that we're actually doing the hard work, that you're not just listening to this pod during a workout or a drive and then not acting on anything you've learned, not putting into practice what you are learning. I want to make sure that you, and I include myself in this, that you're being very intentional in what you're thinking and what kind of actions you're taking on a daily basis. I want to know what kind of filter you're using to view the world, and more specifically, your world. Because the fact is, right now, we are taking some, just about all of us. And I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to sit here and give you some foo-foo, bullshit euphemism to make you feel better when you're anxious or you feel dread. It is a battle out there for all of us, myself included. And there is stress and there is anxiety and there is no easy fix. Just hard work, just commitment, a commitment to a certain way of life. Now, I am huge on reverse engineering your life. And I came to this conclusion because, frankly, I didn't like the way I felt. More importantly, I didn't like what I had become stagnant, even a bit complacent. Not in that I wasn't doing the work because I was, but in that I wasn't innovating or doing the work differently. I was not evolving. So right now I am taking dead aim on who and what I want to become. I'm devising a system for getting there and I'm running that system every day over and over. And then I refine the system. Honestly, I need to do an individual pot on this altogether, but I just want to let you know for now what I'm thinking about and what I'm doing about it. I'll flush this out fully in the weeks to come. In the meantime, if you are anxious, take massive action. You're probably anxious because you're sitting around worrying about the thing instead of attacking the thing. So rather than worry, go to work. Work kills worry. Work kills kills worry. Waiting exacerbates worry. And also, a positive mindset does not hurt either, right? This week's guest is John Gordon. He is one of the most positive people I know. I mean, extremely positive, upbeat, and all about the right energy. Always with a smile on his face, you know, to the point where I figure it's just easy for him. This is just the way he is. This dude is happy and optimistic and just throwing off positive vibes. And obviously, he has always been like that. (laughs) Wrong. Incredibly, John tells me, not only has he not always been like that, but he was actually raised in a way that was diametrically opposed to that, that he was constantly told the world is a cold, hard place. Everybody is out to get you. Watch your ass. So not only was he not the exuberant, 
positive force that he is right now. He was actually negative and to the point where there was a bit of a dark cloud hanging over his head most of the time. In fact, John said that it got so bad, it nearly cost him his marriage. And he knew right then and there he was going to have to reinvent himself, reinvent his mind, and his approach to what he was taught to believe was an unforgiving world. The result? His newest book, The Sale? Well, that and another two dozen plus books that he's written. He is a best-selling author, he is a world-renowned speaker and coach, and he is coming at you right now in episode 47 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. So, John, it was so great to see you recently at our guy Ed Milet's birthday dinner up the way a bit from this studio at Mastro's in Crystal Cove. My man, you have been on an absolute whirlwind ever since. How are you and how is your family? I'm doing good. Family is good. I'm out in L.A. right now, so I'm doing better being out here. Wife comes out Saturday. Daughter just started speaking, so she's actually now doing this work and son's finishing up his uh, his summer semester trying to graduate college so let's hope let's hope he could do that i know how that goes i'm going to ask you about your daughter in a minute because she is following in your footsteps which is really amazing to see i do want to ask you about this john you've got a ton of irons in the fire as always but i want to talk to you about your latest book for a moment it's called the sale the story's main character is matt williams who is matt williams and what is his deal matt is a guy who is dealing with a lack of character like he works for his grandfather's company and he is just there trying to get by, but he wants to make a lot of money because he has an older brother who was very successful, who already retired by making a lot of money in crypto. And so now, which a lot of people are not making that money right now, but it was back when I wrote the book. And so Matt is, is, is struggling in many ways, but he doesn't really have the character or the ability to be successful. So on this journey, he has a choice, an opportunity to make a huge sale. And the question is, will he falsify reports to make the sale and make $7 million or do the right thing and perhaps not make the sale? And that's the crux of the book. Will he choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing? And we follow Matt. We follow that journey. We follow a teacher named Randy who he meets, a mentor, an unlikely mentor who who teaches him about the four laws of integrity and how These four laws are what really build trust and create success. All right. So, John, the book is called The Sale. It sounds like a business book and, in fact, is a business book. And then again, it's not a business book. So who did you have in mind when you wrote that book? Who is it for? The book really is for everyone. We just had an MBA coach say they read this book and it was one of the best coaching books they ever read. Now, it's not a coaching book. It's a book about integrity and it's not about sales. As you said, I think there's some confusion, people thinking that in the marketplace, but it really is about, you know, integrity, doing the right thing. It's also for young people, Jim, who are really struggling thinking, hey, I've got to do this to get ahead, whatever it takes. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want the quick fix. I don't want to take the long road like you did in your career or I did in my career. I want instant success now because that's what it's all about. This teaches if you really want success, you've got to do things the right way. You've got to build trust. And once you build trust, then success follows that trust. So we wrote it for younger people too. We wrote it for older people, perhaps in business, but it's also about how could I live my life with more integrity to build the trust. And integrity, if you think about it, the word also 
you know, comes from integer, right? There's a word integer, same root word, which is about completeness. It's about wholeness. It's about oneness. It's about strength. When you live with integrity, there's a completeness about you. Also comes from the word integrated, like very similar to the word integrated. Well, integrated means there's alignment. What you do and what you say are in alignment with who you are and your character. When you have alignment, when you have integrity, when you're integrated, then guess what? You have strength, you have power, and you create success over time. Hey, you know, it's so interesting, John, because what we're talking about here is the book is for everybody or most people like you and I, you know, we, we talk to a certain group of people or a certain demographic and we want to resonate with that certain demographic, but we want to make sure the message is timeless enough and universal enough that younger people relate as well. And that's always the challenge. But these concepts are, in fact, timeless. But the mindset, you know, like from my son, even from one son to the next, you know, I've got a son, Jake, who's a senior in college and I've got a son, Logan. Logan, who's going to be a senior in high school. And it's amazing to me how differently they see the world. And they're only three and a half years apart. So you can imagine the kind of conversations that you must have with your daughter or I have with my older son. So I see the challenge in this. You want to have these timeless, timeless messages, which brings me to this. You lost somebody very, very close to you recently, Richie Moran. Who was that and how great of an influence and an impact did he have on you? Richie Moran was my lacrosse coach at Cornell University, and he had one of the biggest influences on my life, Jim. He recruited me when I was 17, 18 years old in high school. He believed in me. I believe he read a headline where I had a great game in football my junior year, 169 yards on eight carries. And he read those headlines and he started recruiting me from from there. He was the only coach that recruited me for lacrosse everybody else recruited me for football and so he believed that i could be a cornell lacrosse player because he loved athletes he was from long island he had grit determination he was a marine a national champion lacrosse player at maryland so he plays at maryland coaches at cornell for 29 years he recruits me believes in me jim i go to i go to cornell university ivy league school I'm straight out of Long Island. I got the gold chain, the tank top, the Camaro. <laughs> I talk like this. My friends were wearing my regular clothes as, as their Halloween costumes for Halloween. That's how bad it was. I mean, it really was that That's bad. Great. All right. So as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. I love it. I love it because it finds the right people, the people I'm looking for, the people I need, and this is why I use LinkedIn Jobs. And for you, it's easy. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs and reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and then hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Hey, did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? 40 million. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Rome. That's LinkedIn.com slash R-O-M-E to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And so... Richie believed in me. I learned about culture. I learned about leadership. I learned about teamwork. 
But it wasn't just the four years that you spent with him that changed your life. What I realized was it was the coach that he was throughout your life. He was in your life forever. All the teammates that I had, he was involved in our lives. He showed up to weddings. He showed up to see our kids. He showed up when I opened up a a bar in Buckhead in Atlanta, 24 years old. Who's there one night? Coach shows up, said he was working for the president and and needed to have a word with me. He came to me when I was waiting tables a couple of years before, just after graduating, said he worked for the FBI, told my manager I was in big trouble. He loved to play practical jokes, but he was always showing up in our lives And even like a talk I gave three years ago, right before the pandemic, Marco Island, he comes to my talk, sitting in the audience. He's 80 something years old. I'm in my late forties and there's my coach supporting me. Both my mom, my dad had passed away and having coach there was like having a a family member. It was really emotional seeing him there. And to know that he was still showing up in my life years later, that's why when we talked, one of the last talks we had, he said to me, John, teammates are forever. And I said, so are coaches who change the course of your life. And with tears, I said, coach, you changed my life. I wouldn't be who I am today, you know, without you. So I I went up to his funeral just this past weekend, saw a lot of my old teammates. We were there to support each other, be there for him. A lot of tears, but also a lot of great memories, a lot of great stories. And you just saw the power. Like you saw the power of the Cornell lacrosse family that played in the national championship a week before. And who was there also? John Tillman. John Tillman played for Richie Moran. He was the coach of Maryland playing Cornell. So think about that. John Tillman plays for Richie. He is coaching Maryland in the national championship game against his alma mater, Cornell University. Richie Moran played at Maryland and coached at Cornell. Come on. What are the odds of that? And Coach Moran had just passed away a month before. So I saw John, saw all the teammates, and it was so special to celebrate this man who showed up and was your coach forever. Boy, that is powerful. And the universe does work in mysterious ways, doesn't it? So let me ask you, John, on a personal level, like, for instance, for those who are looking to self-actualize or achieve or meet their potential, it's always separation season. Like, there is no off-season. I'm I'm curious. Like, you're an extremely accomplished, productive individual. What would you consider your separation? My separation, I would say, is my consistency and my grit and my willingness to just do the hard work and, and, and show up. If I think about The Energy Bus, like my most popular book, I think it sold over 3 million copies. Getting that book off the ground was, was really hard. But I went on a 28-city tour. I went from city to city sharing the message in the book. And we had five people in one city, 10 people in another We had 100 people in Des Moines, Iowa. That was the most we had. They thought Jeff Gordon was coming, the race car driver. That's why they showed up. (laughs) Great. And and, and literally, I was willing to go where people wouldn't go. And I still am. I still will work with, you know, like, I'll still help people who people won't make time for. And I always remember that. Like, my mission was to encourage and inspire millions of people one person at a time. And so if that person reaches out, they're really struggling. I'm going to take the time to, to encourage that person and talk to that person. And I'm going to make time. So I think that's the difference is I know my heart. I know why I'm here. I know why I'm doing this work. I'm so thankful I get to do it. And I haven't taken it for granted. And I'm like that singer, you know, I'm like Billy Joel still playing the garden. 
you know what? He's going to do that till he's dead. And guess what? I'm going to do this until I die because there's no separation between the work that I do and the life that I live. There's like no separation. It's the same. I'm just getting paid for it when I speak to businesses or sports teams, but I'm doing the same thing on the flight the other night, going to Nashville to speak to a big company. I'm on the flight helping this couple who literally have been affected by the pandemic and they've dealt with a lot of mental health challenges. And I'm now encouraging them, talk to them, giving them the principles, helping them understand high state of mind versus low state of mind and coaching them on that, on that hour flight. So, so I was like, I'm like, I'm not getting paid for this, but you know what? It felt rewarding to do it. You know, there's so many great things in that response that I could ask you about, but let me ask you about something, John, that you started the response with, and you talked about grit. Like, I think we'd all agree that grit is so necessary if we're going to become who we want to become and achieve our goals. But here's my question for you. What is it that drives grit? Are you hardwired for grit? Can you learn grit? Where does grit come from? How do we get it? I'm so glad you asked that because I give a talk, what drives grit? And so it's not just the grit. It's what's behind the grit. It's like my talk at Ed Milet's event. It's the power behind the power to do one more. Like what makes us do one more? And I'm convinced that, that grit is not something you develop. I really believe grit is something you're born with. Because when you were a kid, a baby learning to walk, you fell down and you kept getting back up and you kept walking. And so what happens is as we are walking through life, we forget the power that we have. We believe the lies that, is, that are put out in the world that we're not enough, that we can't do it. We believe the lies about ourselves. We have some failure and we allow that failure to define us. No, that failure is meant to refine you, not define you. So it's remembering who you truly are and where the power comes from. It's inspired by vision and purpose. Where are we going and why are we going there? We don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. And when you know your why, you will know the way and you won't let obstacles get in the way. Grit is fueled by optimism and belief. There is an aspect of positivity and belief that keeps you moving forward because you believe it, you will take the actions necessary to create it. So optimism and belief is essential. There's research from Duke University that shows that optimists work harder, get paid more, and are more likely to succeed in business and sports. So optimism and belief are essential. It is powered. Grit is powered by faith and hope. How you see the world determines the world that you see. That challenge you face, it's not just a challenge, it's an opportunity. What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I get better because of this? And so grit is powered by that. And it is driven by love. Like if you don't love it, you will never be great at it. So there's a love that drives you. Jim, people talk about Michael Jordan. They talk about his legendary, you know, competition. They also talk about the fact that like he hated to lose. And that's why he was so great. He was fearful of failure. That's what drove him. It will never be fear that caused you to be great. There's got to be a love aspect there. So what is it? He loved competing. He loved to battle you one-on-one. It was about who was going to win. So he loved the competition. And that is what made him great. So love is what drives grit. If you love someone, you don't quit on them. You love your kids. You're not going to quit on your kids because you love them. When you love your team, you're not going to give up on them. And so that love is what truly drives grit. It drives relationships. My wife and I wrote a book called Relationship Grit. We stuck together because of our love for each other, even through the challenging times. And then a few quick pieces here. It's revived by resilience. 
It's kept alive by stubbornness, like good old fashioned stubbornness. I'm not giving up, right? You got this grit that says, I'm not giving up. You get the stubbornness that you just won't quit. That's a big piece of it. And if we're honest, it includes a little fear of failure, the little fear, not the big fear. The big fear paralyzes. The little fear says, you know what? I got an edge today. Little fear that says, I got to be on my game today. I still got to deliver today. I got to continue to adapt and innovate and learn and grow. Just like you, Jim, doing this project, right? That's part of your grit, that desire to continually, you know, prove yourself, that little fear of failure. And the desire to prove yourself is a big part of that. Like, you know what? The best, the great ones all want to continue to prove themselves. And whether we like it or not, that is a part of grit. And then lastly, it's created from the inside out right? Who we are on the inside creates the world on the outside. And when you know the outside has no power over you, that you create from the inside out, the power is you. And I think about that all the time because we're living in a world right now that tries to tell you the outside is more powerful than you. But those who have grit, and when you have that inside out mindset, when a pandemic hits, you say, I'm not going to allow this situation to define me. I'm going to find a way to make this situation right. And just like our friend Damon West He and I wrote that book, The Coffee Bean. Being a coffee bean is all about transforming your environment, not allowing your environment to transform you. That's the formula for grit. I I love that inside-out mindset. My man, you are on one today. I like that energy. Bam. Man, I love that so much. I love that sound. That sound always puts a smile on my face because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is the best. It gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. You know this as an entrepreneur. Believe me, I know this as a host and somebody who runs a small business. I know what we were selling on this podcast when we started, and I know what we're selling right now. Trust me, it works. And I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from right down the street to all around the globe. Shopify powers over millions of business from first sale to full scale. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. They can do this for you. Shopify actually is more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility, and it's powered by Shopify. Do this. Try it out for yourself. Go to shopify.com slash roam all lowercase, and try it out for 14 days for free. Shopify.com slash Rome for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify right now. Go to Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Once again, Shopify.com slash Rome. All right, John, let me ask you, you mentioned Ed Milet. I want to ask you about his event because you have written more than two dozen books. You have some enormous clients both in and out of sports. You've spoken all over the country. I'm really curious, what was it like to share the stage with our guy and what was it like to be a part of that event? That was one of the favorite, my favorite events I've ever done. It's one of the best events I've ever been to. It was so special. It was so powerful. As you know, Ed, He's got such a great heart and he's got such a great spirit. And so 
just his love and his heart is there supporting you, but also he pursues excellence. He wants to be great. He drives it. I said this at the talk. Ed sets the bar and raises the bar at the same time. So when you see Ed speak, you're like, all right, I've got to bring it today. I got to be my best today. And so you've got to bring it as well. So it was special. It was a little nerve wracking as well. I prepare for my talks, but not as much as I prepare for this one. I truly wanted this one to be great. But there was also a spirit that there that was just so special. And when Ed talked about his father and told that story, I went back there afterwards. I hadn't spoken yet. And I just wanted to tell him how, how great his talk was. And as I'm talking to him, I just start crying. I literally just start crying. Like, I can't, Jim, I haven't cried in five years. I mean, I'm like, where is this coming from? Right. It was crazy. I was like emotional. It was like the spirit was moving through me and my heart was opening. And then I gave probably the most vulnerable, impactful talk. I think I've, I've like top three that I've ever given at that event. So special event amazing event we changed thousands of people's lives so many people watch it all over the country we got so many great so much great feedback truly thankful to ed to be in the kind of guy that would want to put together an event like that and then donate all the proceeds of his book to charity think about that like he spends all this money on this event and then winds up giving all the money he makes from the books from the event to charity really special no, really special. And your reaction, actually, John, is not unusual. You're not the first person I heard or have heard say that I saw Ed's speech and I reacted in like. You are not the first one that has told me that. Let me ask you, you, I, okay, so I'm going to give you a story. So I've got a buddy, a good friend of mine, and people listening right now understand this, John, about you. You are extremely positive. You've even said, things along the lines of you need vision, you need purpose. And one of the ways to find these things is with positivity. You are an extremely positive person. I have a friend who I don't see very often, but I consider him a very, very good friend. And he's a former pro athlete. I see him the other day and he knows that I'm in this space. And he's one of those guys that he's still working to improve himself. And believe me, this guy's extremely well accomplished. And we start talking about the space and people we like and people we know. And one of the first names he says is John Gordon. I said, I'm not surprised at all, but let me ask you, what do you like about him? What is it that you think makes him unique? He's like, dude, he's so positive. He's so positive. And you could tell that he, he meant that and it really lifted him up. I mean, John, you might be the most positive person I know legitimately, but, but you are human. There has to be days, at least occasionally, where you do not feel like being, being positive or being that guy. What do you do on those days? Well, I'm not naturally positive. So when I hear that, Jim, I just laugh because I am not naturally positive. Like my wife will tell you, I don't naturally go there. I grew up in Long Island, New York, Jewish, Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt. And my dad was a New York City police officer. Okay, undercover narcotics. My dad was a badass. My dad was getting shot at and he saw the world as something that was conspiring against you. He would like show up like, like John, the world is out to get you and you got to be stronger than the world. So he'd look right at you and he was tough. He had these crazy eyes and he was like one of the toughest guys you'll, you'll ever meet. And so growing up with him, right, I naturally saw the world as out to get me. Now, as I got older, I had a different mindset, a different perspective. I started to see the world differently. I started doing this work because my wife almost left me. That's how negative I was. So I am proof 
I am proof that you can become more positive. I am proof you can rewire your brain from negative to positive, that you can feed yourself and have a different perspective, a different outlook. And how you see the world will determine the world that you will see. And it changes everything once you start seeing the world differently. So yes, I now have a really positive perspective. But the days I get up when I'm not positive, like this morning, what can I do today to make a difference? Who can I help? The minute you think about serving others, encouraging others, helping others, guess what? It makes you more positive. You're not here just for you. You're here for someone else. That bigger purpose starts to move through you in a powerful way. And and the more purpose we have, right? The more purpose we have, the more passion and drive we'll have. And then happiness, positivity is a byproduct of that. Everyone's talking about gym today. Happiness, happiness, happiness. You'll never find happiness by seeking it. You find it by living a life of purpose, of service, about making a difference in the lives of others and doing meaningful work like you do. And when you know you're working on something, you're mastering something, you're becoming great at something and you're having an impact, guess what? Happiness is the byproduct of that. So you invest in the root and it will give you a great supply of fruit. You know, John, I'll tell you what's amazing about that. And I, I've been having a little bit of trouble. Part of what's challenging about this is I'm trying to be vulnerable and I'm trying to open up. And I've always been really careful, John, not to talk about my family and especially my kids because it just seems like it's a personal nature and it's not something that I want to use in a public forum. But I'm starting to change a little bit and I want to share something with you based on what you just said. So our, our younger son is Logan and Logan's going to be a senior in high school and I love the kid to death. He's great. He's very bright. He's very personable. He's not always the most motivated kid. And he and I were having a a man-to-man, father-to-son talk the other day. And he said to me, and and I really, he's a little bit introverted, but extremely likable, and he gets going. If he's comfortable with you, he gets going. His older brother, Jake, is like his mother, Janet, who you know, who is super outgoing and super sociable. Logan says to me, you know, Dad, and, and he related with me very directly, and I really, really appreciated it. He said, I haven't been very happy lately. I said, why is that, son? He goes, well, number one, I think my relationship with you and mom could be better, which I'm like, wow, that was very straightforward. And I appreciate that. And number two, I just haven't been happy with myself, which goes to what you just said, the sense of purpose. He goes, you know, I get up in the morning. He goes, lately, I've been getting up every single morning. I'm working out. I'm getting my swim in. I'm throwing the weights around. I'm getting ready for my baseball and I'm getting things done. And I've accomplished all these things by nine o'clock. Whereas in the past, I would sit in bed, look at my phone, watch YouTube videos for half the morning. And I'm not doing that. I'm like, how does that make you feel? And you could tell he was happier. To your point, John, he's not chasing happiness, but he has more purpose. He has more vision. He has a drive. He's inherently happier. This is not a coincidence, is it? No, not at all. Because it's the things that we do that we're working towards, that we're accomplishing, that we're, we're, we're striving for, that gives life meaning and gives it purpose. If you're just looking at your phone and you're just comparing yourself to others, and you're not living a life of purpose, then life is going to be meaningless. I talked to a 16-year-old the other day, and he was suicidal, this young man. He's a a former student, actually a former uh, woman I went to high school with. It's her son. And so I found that he was struggling. I said, let me talk to him. They asked him. He didn't want to talk. I said, come on, just give me 20 minutes. Just give me 20 minutes. The kid was in the ER a few nights before. Let me just talk to him. Finally, he agreed to talk to me. We have this great conversation. We talk about high state of mind, low state of mind, shifting perspective, purpose, meaning. I asked him, are you an accident? 
He said, no, I'm not an accident. I said, well, you know, right now you don't really have any purpose. You're, you're, this kid was doubting the existence of God. I said, if you just believe in evolution and it's all you believe in, and you just believe that this is all accidental and randomness, then you're an accident. And so am I. I said, do you have a purpose? He goes, yes, I have a purpose. I said, well, if you just believe this is all accidental and this is just randomness and just a random result of evolution, then there really is no purpose. There's no meaning. I said, let me tell you something. You have a purpose. There's a plan for your life and you're here to do something great. And you're meant to live that and breathe that every single day. And that shift, that shift that happened from that conversation changed everything for him. No longer suicidal, sees it differently, understands it. But Jim, I understand because my son, who's 22 years old now, you know, going to college, he's like, dad, every day I do this, I do that. But, 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 but then I'm miserable. Like I'll accomplish something, but then I'm miserable again. I'll achieve this, but then I'm miserable again. I said, Cole, let me tell you something. I said, if I'm not helping others, I'm miserable. If I'm not encouraging people, I'm miserable. The pain you feel or that lack of desire to do something or that apathy is actually a sign of letting you know that you're meant to live for more and there is more for you to do in this world. And honestly, it's about making a difference in the lives of others. We're not here for ourselves. A narcissistic life, once they finally realize they're not a narcissist, will, will really be something that crumbles and shows them how miserable they truly are when they actually realize it. If they never realize it, they may think they're happy because they're a narcissist. They don't know any better. But once you see what life is truly for, if you're not making a difference in the lives of others, you're not going to be happy. And I told him that, Cole, once you start serving others, you actually start meaning, doing meaningful work. Guess what? That depression, that feeling down will actually go away because that's what happened to me. Jim, I was chasing success and I had 100,000 shares as a, a dot com. And I thought I was going to make a fortune, but guess what? I was miserable inside every single day. And I felt like I was dying because I was chasing success. Only when I said, how can I serve others? How can I make a difference? And I just surrendered. And I said, let me be a vehicle, an instrument to making a difference in the lives of others. That's when my life changed. And no longer was I unhappy. Now I was living a meaningful life. And that led to purpose and passion and drive integrity. And now I have more success than I ever thought I would have in my life, but it was because I wasn't chasing it. What I was going to say, without looking for it per se, without chasing it, John, that point you made about, you know, if you're young or otherwise, and you're just looking at your phone, you're just looking at your phone, Never mind, there's no motion or action involved, but you're just looking at your phone. And then inevitably you are comparing yourself to others. I know you've talked about this before and it's come up a lot on this podcast, but I do want to get your thoughts on this. How dangerous is that comparison game? How much of a trap is it to constantly compare yourself to others? It is more dangerous than just about any drug on the planet. I won't say like just any, but there's a lot of drugs that are less dangerous than doing this. Why? The more you are doing that and comparing yourself to people every single day, what you're basically saying is you want their life, that you should have been having their success. And I'm sure there's people that look at you, Jim, and say, I should have been Jim Rome. I should have had that success. Well, that means that you're basically saying you're a mistake because you were supposed to live Jim's life, not yours. And the idea is, no, you're not a mistake. You have to find what you're here to do and be the best at for you. And so when you compare yourself, you're comparing yourself to their highlight reel, to their successes, to their accomplishments. And I heard this from Jerry Flowers the other day. He said this incredible thing. He said, they don't have a better life than you. They just got a better filter and a better editor. So not only are you comparing yourself to someone else, but you're actually comparing someone, comparing yourself to someone who 
make, is making their life look better than it truly is. So it's dangerous. It actually will get you down. It will get you depressed if that's all you do. And let me tell you this. If I compare myself to Ed Milet, I'm going to be miserable every single day. Right. Because <laughs> I don't have the jet. I don't have as big or as nice of houses as Ed, right? There are gifts that as Ed has that I don't have. So I've got to focus on my gifts, my purpose, my plan. And when you do that, you now can celebrate your friends. See, the reason why I can be a, a good friend to Ed and celebrate someone like him is I don't want to be him. I want to celebrate who he is. I want to celebrate who you are. And I'm working every day to be my best. But the people who are not happy with themselves and then they compare themselves to others, that is a recipe for double misery, guilt, and despair. And when you compare, you despair. And so that's the key. How can I get better every day? How can I be the best version of myself? How can I improve? And yet I may not have more than you, but I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live. I love that. I'm so glad that we got into that. I mean, as an athlete, you understand this, John, that it's not, we're not trying to be better or beat the person in front of us or even the person next to us. We're just trying to be better than we were yesterday. Now, I said that I would circle back to this and I want to. We talked about your son. I want to talk about your daughter, Jade, for a minute. She's going to follow in your footsteps. What goes through you, and you laid out the dynamic between you and your father, you talked about your son, what goes through you emotionally when your daughter tells you she wants to do this? This is what she wants to do with her life. The first thought is, I hope she can be good at it. Sure. (laughs) Like, can she do this? Will she be good? And I I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how good she could be or, or would be, but my first thought was, I hope she can do it. And then it was, you know what? This is so cool that she's saying this. Let's see how it goes. It's always a wait and see as a parent. They always say things, but you never know until they follow through. And then I saw her give some talks. And then I saw her talk to Clemson baseball right before I did and gave a five minute talk to them. And they resonated with her. Like she captivated them. She had them. I thought, okay, she's got some talent. She's got a gift. And then I really saw it when she came to speak with me in Iowa. And there was a women's event that she did there. And she shared her story about purpose and working at Nobu in Malibu and told some funny, funny stories. She was like, you know, they say keeping up with the Kardashians. I was cleaning up after the Kardashians <laughs> at Nobu. And she had some really great humor, some impactful points. And I thought, okay, that was the moment I said, she can do this. Now, I'm not really proud. People say, you're proud. No, it's more amazed. I'm like amazed that she's actually decided to do this so young. And I thought it'd be about 30, 31 that she would actually eventually say, you know, I want to do that. But one thing I did, Jim, I put her to work. Like, you got to go work. You got to support yourself. And the reason why I did that, even though I could obviously support my daughter, I knew the more you have to work at something and you have to show up every day at work, you started to decide, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Or what do I really want to do? If she's living off dad and has dad's money and she's just taking it easy, hanging out she would be less likely to find her purpose. Remember, it's the struggle and the challenge where we often find our meaning, where we find our purpose. So I knew that she had to find it. So it took shorter than expected. And seeing her then step into it has been really cool to see. And now she's got like seven events lined up this July with high schools around the country speaking on positive leadership. She's got events lined up in the fall. She's moving to Austin. And she's now going out creating you know, her life and Ed saw the video. Ed's like, man, she is good. I'm like, I know I can't like, wow. She's my wife and me combined because my wife's a really talented communicator. She has the Catherine for real podcast. And so 
I actually think she's more talented because of my wife, not me. I was going to say, you just wait until she blows right by you, John. That's amazing. I mean, that, that is really quite a story, and that would not surprise me at all. But the fact that she knows and she figured that out, and I agree with you. It's just they need to learn to work. Like, I, I tried the family business. I failed miserably, and I was going to fail miserably no matter what because, to your point, like, my mission was not aligned that was not my mission. I was chasing something that I did not really want in my heart, and I didn't know it at the time. I was chasing shiny things. I was chasing money, but that was not the mission. That was not the vision, so that was problem number one. Problem number two, and my father said this to me, I should have had you work for somebody else before I had you work for me, even though he started me at the very bottom because, for to your point, you learn to appreciate that value, and you've got to learn to kind of sink and swim. you got to be out there, and we can't be holding their hand for them. Something else, John, that you did and do, maybe you still do this, but I know you did this. You had to pick a word, a word for yourself and a word to focus on. And am I mistaken, but did you not pick that word for an entire year? What was the process to practice behind that? And why was that so empowering? Every year you pick a word for the year, one word that will give you meaning and mission and passion and purpose. And we encourage people to do this, been encouraging people over 10 years to do this wrote a book, One Word That Will Change Your Life with Dan and Jimmy, Dan Britt and Jimmy Page. These are the guys who came up with the idea. So they deserve all the credit. I started doing it, popularized it and started sharing it around. And when you do that, like there's this one word that like drives you to be your best. Like the year I picked serve, man, that was my wife's favorite word I've ever chosen was serve. Because I had to serve at home, right? Great year for her, hard year for me. But that was the year that I became a true leader. I learned about servant leadership because I had to serve. It was no longer just talking positivity or positive leadership. It was living positive leadership, building relationships, developing trust, serving my family, being there for them. I truly became a leader that year. So every year you pick a word and that's the word you focus on goals and resolutions. You know, we forget all those, but we remember the one word that will drive us. It goes back to the commitment, the process, you and your job. You didn't really love it. We're focusing on the inside, not the outside. We're focusing on the process, not the result. And so you live the word each day. By the end of the year, you you go, wow, it's amazing what I accomplished by focusing on that word every day that drove me, that drove my purpose, that drove my mission, that drove my spirit, that drove what I was here to do this year, what I was here to learn, how I was here to grow. It's amazing. Power is my word this year. And I was speaking with more power than I've ever spoken. And I know it's the word that was meant for me, but it came out of a struggle of being sick at the end of the year where I had no power. And I knew I needed greater power for this year. And that word has driven everything. So physical power, mental power, spiritual power, all of the above, what kind of power? All power, you know, going to the gym, working out, mental power, right? Thinking, reflecting, practicing gratitude, emotional power, right? Letting your heart shine, the powers of the heart. It's 5,000 times more powerful than the brain. The heart is the magnetic field of the heart. It is your driving force. And it's where you connect to your purpose. Initially is actually through the heart. Research from heart math shows that. That's a whole other story. I could give you the science behind it, but it's the heart. And then definitely spiritual. You know, I believe, you know, in a higher power. And if you study every addiction program, It includes a higher power. Why? Because your will is not strong enough on your own. You are not strong enough to do this and get through this. So what do you need? You need a greater power, a greater power that 
you're meant to be one with, one gives you strength, that power moves through you. And as it moves through you, it gives greater power to you and to the impact that you're meant to have. It's the conductor and the resistor analogy. I wrote about this in my book, Training Camp. If you're a resistor, what happens is that resistor holds on to its electrons. So it only has limited power in it. So the power comes from what it has inside and really just the electrons. The conductor actually, that conductor gets its power by giving and receiving electrons freely. So it gives up and receives electrons and it's the power that moves through it that gives it its power. So when I talk about inside out, for me, it's about who you are on the inside and the power that's actually moving through you from the inside out, your soul, that allows you to have power to impact the world. Hmm. So one more thought before you go. Oh, I've got a lot of thoughts, but one more thought before you go. You've been absolutely awesome. Energy level incredibly high. I'm just kind of following you around, but I thought of something else. And again, this goes back to my son. I'll talk more about my son in this podcast than I ever have. But Logan and I were driving around last night, and I, I don't even know how this came up. He brought it up, not me, and I'm so glad he did. I thought it was fascinating. He said, hey, Dad, I can tell you right now, and again, this is somebody entering his senior year in high school. He goes, I can tell you right now the three people that I will always be friends with my entire life. And I'm like, that's fascinating. Who are they? And he told me these three guys, and they were really diverse, and they were very different. And I said, this is why this is really important. I want to explain something to you. Almost everybody that I know, that I respect, that I research, that I think about will tell you this, that you are kind of the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And I said, if these are the three that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you want to think about that for a minute. I'm not telling you who you should and shouldn't be friends with. I will tell you, you are who you roll with. But and Because he, he said to me, he goes, there are certain people... He goes, I admit this, Dad. There are certain people that I will raise my game up to meet a standard, but if I hang out with the wrong person, my game drops to their standard. I'm like, good, good. I'm glad you know that. So pick very carefully who you hang out with. So, John, bottom line that for me. How important is it? Like, okay, let me put it to you another way. The dinner that we had for Ed Milet's birthday was really, really fascinating. Maybe you do more of that than I do, but how would you describe that dinner and the sort of energy you get around when you get around people that function on that high of a level? And what would that do for your life if you always surrounded yourself with people like that, that brought out the best in you and made you better? It is is very powerful. I mean, just that group sitting with you, the stories with Ed and Edwin, wildly successful. Erwin McManus, one of the top pastors, you know, in the world and the impact he's had. Ken Clothier, Dan Fleischman. I mean, like brilliant, smart, creative, successful people. I have been leaving these gatherings, which really took off the last couple of years, more and more impressed, inspired, encouraged, and also with, with new ideas that I can do to Take my game to the next level. And so you see someone be successful. You learn from them. You grow from them. The key is don't compare, but learn from. What are they doing that you can learn from and do yourself that applies to what you want to do? Not to be them, but to be the best you. If you hang out with Derek Jeter, you're going to learn from Derek Jeter of what he does and how he did it. And that will make you better. If you spend time with one of the greatest musicians ever, you're going to learn from that musician. When I'm around Dabo, I see how he leads. When I look at Sean McVay, I learn from him, but I'm also sharing with him. Every great coach I've worked with, you're learning from. So I think that's the key. But here's the thing. There are some people that may not make you better, Jim, but maybe you're meant to make them better. 
Hmm. That's the only thing we have to remember that there are people that will serve us and help us grow, but maybe you're meant to be the person who helps that person grow. So the three people your son are saying with, I love that, but he's going to be lifelong friends with them, but he may not always hang out with them all the time, but there'll be people he knows cares about him and he cares about, and he may help them along the way. And I have several friends like that, that I'm still great friends with to this day. So there's this idea in the help, help, self-help world that says, get rid of anyone who can't serve you, who doesn't bring out the best in you. And I agree with that. You've got to be careful of that, especially as you're growing yourself, especially if you're susceptible to negative influences and people who can bring you down. And you might spend time with someone who's taken up all your time, all your energy. They're always getting into trouble. You're always trying to help them. And you don't spend enough time investing in yourself. Codependent people actually do that. So the key is feed myself, invest in myself, continue to grow myself. And while I'm doing that, while I'm raising myself up, guess what? There'll be some people along the way, I'm going to help raise them up, but I'm not going to let anyone bring me down. I'm going to make sure wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm going to be that coffee bean who lifts other people up, impacts them, encourages them, knowing that that person can't affect me, but I could affect that person. See, there's a lie going on, Jim, in the world right now that all these people are there's an aftershock of the pandemic. They're down, they're tired. People feel like it's because they're languishing between hybrid workforce and I'm in the workplace. No, it's this. You've believed the lie that anything outside you can impact how you feel. And the truth is it can't. It has no power unless you give it power and believe it does. It's like fear. That's why they say fear is a liar. The things we fear, we give it power. And so it becomes powerful. If you understand that fear has no power over me, it's not going to impact you. I was not fearful of COVID one bit myself. I feared I cared about others. But for me, I said, this, I made a decision. I am not going to allow this pandemic to affect me. I refuse to participate in the pandemic. It may be why I got COVID three times, but I said, I'm going to refuse to participate in it. And I said, that's going to be my mindset. And I think that's why I thrived the last few years. It didn't mean I didn't care about other people. I cared about their safety, but I wasn't going to allow anything to impact how I feel and what I did in this world during this time. So don't believe the lies. Always walk with truth and power, understanding the truth, and that makes you more powerful in this world. Once again, an inside-out mindset. All right, John, so so what does the rest of the year look like for you? Are you going to crank out another book or four in the second half of the year? <laughs> It looks like I just spoke to uh, In and Out Burger, which was awesome. I showed him your uh, your tweet, by the way. They, they loved it. Can I, so let, I, me, let me just jump in so they understand. When I yeah. saw that you, I know that you advise them and you consult for them, and they can they they bring you in as a coach. And I wanted to make sure I saw that on Twitter. I wanted to acknowledge to everybody that was my first job ever. Age sixteen, Ventura Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley, right off of Winnetka, In and Out Burger. I was not good at the job. I tried very hard, but it helped me get my first car. So I'm really glad you did share that with them. They know I did. They loved it. They loved hearing that story. And I told them that. So that was that was really cool. So in and out Burger just spoke to Truist Bank, you know, great companies. And then just was with a great, great company in Nashville, speaking to them. And I speak about leadership, right? Helping these people become better leaders and build stronger teams. So that's what we're doing going forward. Like, that's what I'm excited about. I got all these events coming up. Going to speak to the Rams first week in, in August. Going to speak to the University of Texas football team. Going to speak to Oklahoma football team. Brent wow. Venables came from Clemson. He's going there. We'll be speaking there. 
probably going to speak to the Minnesota Vikings, going to speak to uh, Miami University, the U, going to be speaking there with, with Mario, going to speak to that team. So I got all these events lined up with that. School districts in August are going to be slammed. Got a couple events in June and July. So a lot of still, a lot of big talks coming up. And then the goal is to write a book. I want to write, I want to, I want to write, you know, a book by the end of the year. And the goal is to do that. And then we also got a one word journal coming out to help people live their word and keep track of their word every day. This is some really, really rarefied air. I mean, these are the bluest of the blue chips that you just mentioned. John, the book, The Sale, presumably this book is available wherever books are sold, right? If people want to get it. Yeah, wherever books are sold. You know, Ed's book has has sold out the last couple of days because he sold so many. Uh, the sale is still available, though. <laughs> so you can, buy, you can buy the sale. And I would still buy Ed's book if you haven't got a hold of it. One more amazing book for sure. And then, yeah, the sale is available right now. Any bookstores, wherever you can get it. It came out. It was a bestseller first week. Excited about that. Honored for that. And the feedback, though, I've been getting on it, Jim. Really amazing. And I got to give credit. right? You got to be a great teammate. Alex Demchek, 29-year-old young guy, 29. Knew him since he graduated Mizzou, backup quarterback, been mentoring him, started speaking for me, doing a bunch of events that I couldn't do. They didn't have my budget. He would go speak, did a great job. People loved him. He earned my trust, right? Did the Northeast Athletic Conference, 13 talks in 13 days, $1,000 a talk to to college athletes, coaches, teams, did all that. And then he came up with this idea of the sale. Came to me, said, hey, I wrote this sort of manuscript. Will you take a look at it? I'd love to do it with you. Would you want to do it? I read the book. I'm like, it needs a lot of work. And I don't know. I'm going to have to really rework it a bunch. But but I liked the, the premise. And I think there's a, a great gist here. Decided, let's do it. Love the kid. All of a sudden, like the book that we created together was really a strong book. But he wrote a lot of the, the gist and a lot of ideas. He deserves a lot of credit. And this book we're really proud of. And now his career is taking off. He left his job. He was in the mortgage industry. 29. He's got a wife. He's got a child. He is now doing this full time. So it's great to see someone like this write a book like this, earn the trust, live those principles. And now this book is really doing well. Now he's a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Pretty cool. That's actually amazing. And that's how you do it, right? By the way, that's how you do it. There is no hack. There is no shortcut. There is no injection. There is no magic pill. He came to you with a manuscript or an actual book. And he said, it's a little rough around the edges, but I like what I see. Let's work with this. He put in the time. I mean, that is a great, great success story. I love that. John Gordon, that is a good, good, energetic interview. I know what the days you have. You laid it out. I know what you're doing for the rest of the year. I know it's in front of you. So I so appreciate the energy the friendship, the relationship, the book, The Sale, is amazing. I would encourage all of our listeners to get it. And what can I say? My guy, I appreciate you very much. Hey, thanks, Jim. You're the best. As I said, my man is throwing off positive vibes. You can see why so many professional and college sports teams, as well as huge corporations, want to bring John in to tap into that positive energy and learn his teachings. Again, I'm amazed that John hasn't always been that positive and that it's not natural, that he wasn't just gifted with the positivity gene. No, he developed it. He did what we mentioned off the very top of the pod this week. He re-engineered his life. His wife essentially gave him an ultimatum saying, I don't like what you've become. This doesn't work for me. You need to fix this. You need to change this. 
So that's exactly what John did. He changed his situation, and he did so by changing his thoughts. Or to quote John himself, if you keep thinking what you've been thinking, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. End of quote. To which I would add, he may have been getting a divorce if he didn't change his thoughts, but he did. Different thoughts, different actions. Better thoughts, better actions. Better actions, better life. Per usual, simple but not easy. A couple of more thoughts about John. I loved when he weighed in on a theme that shows up on this pod all the time. The danger of the comparison game. I do it myself. I fall prey to it myself. He mentioned our buddy, our mutual friend, Ed Milet, because we had dinner with Ed not long ago. And John said, if I looked at Ed's Instagram page and I saw that jet and the mansions and the cars, I'd just make myself crazy. I can't compete with that. Right. Exactly. And John knows, nor should he try. Notice I'm not saying don't compete. Compete your ass off. Don't compare is what I'm saying. Don't compare yourself to anybody else except the person you were yesterday. That's the person you're trying to beat. That's who you need to compare yourself to. The person you were yesterday. There are a ton of people on social media that I follow and I study and I learn from. You should as well. But just because you don't have a jet or a vacation home does not mean you are a failure. And if you're beating yourself up over not having what that other person has, then you're definitely not doing the work. You're not doing the work you should be doing to improve yourself because you're too busy fretting over what you don't have that somebody else does have instead of focusing on what you have to do to improve. So don't compare. Don't compare. And if it makes you feel any better, I don't have a jet either. John Gordon is about all the right stuff. A great mindset, a positive attitude, vision, and focus. He knew who and what he wanted to be. A writer, speaker, coach, and most of all, a better husband and father. And through extreme grit, drive, and repetition, he has accomplished all of that and continues to do so because he is relentless in his approach and execution. I love that approach, and I appreciate that relationship and his message very, very much. If you like what you heard today, be sure to let John know on social media and pick up his latest book, The Sale. Also, if you could, take a moment and subscribe to this podcast and be sure to share it and review it. As you know, every little bit helps. Personally, I am feeling as determined as ever, and I can't wait to hit you up with another episode of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week, and I will check back with you soon. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.